Welcome to the Legal Download Podcast, a rundown of the latest issues impacting your business from Kelly Dry. Welcome to Kelly Dry's Legal Download Podcast. I'm Sean Sobel. Joining me today is Matt Lazatter, partner in Kelly Dry's litigation practice and head of the firm's blockchain and cryptocurrency practice. Today, we are going to be discussing the cryptocurrency regulatory landscape as regulators ranging from the SEC, CFTC, and the Treasury struggle to give participants in this growing sector some much-needed clarity. So Matt, what's at the heart of the regulatory confusion? So you know, right now, the regulation of any cryptocurrency hinges on the question um, of whether or not it's a security or it's a commodity. Um, and, and we've all heard about the, the, the Howey test, right, which is sort of the, you know, case from the 1940s, which determines whether or not um, it's, it, you know, something is a security uh, or or a commodity there. Um, but to, to back up, the importance of asking this question goes down to, you know, there's one in five Americans um, have traded cryptocurrency. And, you know, in trading those cryptocurrencies, there's uh, some exposure there. Oh, you know, over a billion dollars has been lost to fraud since the beginning of 2021, uh, according to a study by the FTC. And that includes, you know, things like Ponzi schemes um, and frankly, some digital currencies that never existed in the first place. Um, so U.S. regulators, by necessity, have to look to existing law to address crypto market activities. Uh, but this approach is not really working right well right now is there's nothing in the SEC statutory mandate that directs it to regulate or foster innovation um, in the crypto industry. And so the rationale from the SEC's point of view has been to insist on uh, an expansive reading of its authority. And this has naturally caused some tension with the CFTC that has oversight on on things like spot markets. Um, Now, the, the fundamental question that looms over many digital asset activities is whether or not that particular asset in question is a security under under U.S. federal securities laws, right? That how we test that I, that I mentioned. Uh, if, so if a digital asset is a security, um, then it cannot be bought or sold on, let's say, your popular crypto trading platforms, uh, which aren't subject to SEC oversight uh, as securities exchanges or operated by you know, a, a registered broker dealer uh, as an alternative trading system. Uh, and, and as we've seen, the SEC is uncomfortable with approving um, like EFT applications, um, unless it can track the market for ma- manipulation and fraud, uh, which is within its statutory mandate there. Uh, and it, we could have a whole other discussion on, on that, but um, we did do a, a client advisory in August. It's on our website. If anyone wants a more fulsome discussion on that, where we look at the SEC's rejection of Grayscale's uh, spot Bitcoin EFT, um, and, uh, and we have a little bit of a deeper deeper discussion there. Um, but uh, I think the, 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 the short answer is that there is some question that uh, we'll talk about some legislation that's trying to, to trying trying to resolve um, this tension, this question over. Who has the statutory authority um, to, to, to regulate cryptocurrency? So in, in terms of, of looking at this, you know, we think a, a, a key to the sensible regulatory model for crypto uh, markets rests with Congress. And, and the White House seems to agree with this. Uh, we've got a couple recent bills uh, that, that we can look at. 
um, with the potential to bring sort of regulatory certainty. And I'm going to use this term regulatory certainty because it's important to the industry. Um, when industries have stuff that's sort of in a gray area, it makes it very hard for them to innovate, to attract investment, um, and to get users sort of comfortable with, with new technologies. Um, so this is, and this is really a bipartisan issue. Uh, and, and, and as you'll, you'll see from some of the, the, the bills that we're going to talk about, such as the one in June uh, that was introduced by Senators uh, Cynthia Loomis, Republican from Wyoming, and uh, Kirsten Gilbrand, Democrat from New York, uh, what they unveiled was their Loomis Gillibrand uh, Responsible Financial Innovation Act. And then in August, uh, we had Senators Debbie Stabenow, Democrat from Michigan, and John uh, Bozeman, Republican uh, from Arkansas, announced that they would introduce the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act of 2020. Uh, and that had support uh, bipartisan, particularly from senators um, from South Dakota and, and, and New Jersey there. So each of those bills is, is aiming to bring some clarity to the regulatory landscape as and in part by strengthening the role that the uh, CFTC, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, has uh, instead of fully empowering the SEC to regulate the digital asset market industry here. And, and with it comes this proposed legislation, it begins with this premise that digital assets are commodities and that their regulation appropriately rests with the CFTC. Uh, under the bill as contemplated, the SEC's authority would be relegated uh, to the regulation of securities offerings of digital assets, but the SEC would not have jurisdiction to regulate the products of those offerings where they meet the criteria set forth in the bill. So essentially this, this is, is, is looking to kind of break that tension because it divides the authority between the SEC and the CFTC with respect to ancillary assets, which are generally defined as intangible, fungible assets offered, sold, or provided in connection with the purchase or sale of securities through an arrangement constituting an investment contract. Uh, the CFTC generally has jurisdiction over ancillary assets uh, that fall within the definition of, of a digital asset. However, and it's important to note here, those disclosure requirements that the bill imposes on issuers of the ancillary assets would remain subject to the SEC's jurisdiction. So there's some questions about how in function this is actually going to work. Thank you, Matt. So on Friday, September 16th, President Biden released a comprehensive framework for the responsible development of digital assets. This followed his March executive order entitled Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets. Do you think this framework will have concrete applications and address the gaps in cryptocurrency regulation? That, that's a good that's a good question. And this is, of course, following up um, on the, the that March executive order that was more of a roadmap or a game plan for how the government was going to look at it. And it named all the players like the Department of Drug Justice and Treasury and the SEC and was requesting reports from from those those agencies and departments um, on, on their view. Um, and I think we're starting to see some real real results uh, from that executive order on crypto. Uh, for example, this the September 16th report, um, the White House, Treasury, Commerce, Justice Departments, uh, they published a total of seven documents in response to that order, uh, looking at everything from crypto's role in illicit finance to analyzing the different considerations around a central bank digital currency 
um, which is a whole other interesting discussion because of the effect that the U.S.'s uh, issuance of a central bank digital currency would have on the cryptocurrency market as a whole. Arguably, it takes away some of the use cases um, for you know non-government issued um, cryptocurrencies on on issues such as like financial inclusion and cross-border transactions. Now, I think one of the most important considerations in one of the Treasury's reports is this idea that the U.S. would consider a federal framework to regulate non-bank payment providers. And depending on whether or not crypto exchanges are non-bank payment providers, this clause could hint that there may soon be a federal regulatory framework um, that's going to give us some certainty here. I mean, we certainly have a lot of clients that we advise um, that are you know, virtual asset service providers or digital asset service providers. And we're um, caught in a little bit of a limbo, which, you know, how do you develop the, under, how do you evaluate the underlying cryptocurrency? I mean, we a lot of times look to the NYDFS's um, green, green light list, so to speak, of the ones that they've approved for either listing or uh, custodial stuff. But you know, I think the long-running hope for the industry is that the U.S. might adopt a framework that would allow crypto companies to seek a federal license, allowing them to provide services nationwide. So you won't have to look at these individual states um, or seek, you know, to have the different, you know, say, money transmission licenses, which are in 49 states, will exclude Montana. Um, and, and and that sort of a, has been a piecemeal approach. So we're looking for some federal clarity and some overall regulation here. And really, to to the the White House's credit, um, the, the the fact sheet release does provide a comprehensive view of the different issues the administration is considering, uh, and, and it lays out what those agencies' role is expected to be in the future, and um, that can give us some certainty on on where we expect them to fit into sort of this regulatory puzzle. So, Matt, in terms of combating fraud. What does the recent Biden framework do to analyze and correct crypto's use in various criminal activity types? I mean, that's a good question, right? This circles back to, you know, there's that billion dollars lost since the beginning of 2021 in fraud schemes, right? And we'll talk about as a separate issue. There's the the use for, you know, ransomware and other fraud schemes. So that's a billion dollars that consumers are losing in terms of like Ponzi schemes, fake investment contracts, that sort of stuff. And I'm hoping that what the U.S. government agencies will identify are the gaps in the cryptocurrency regulation and really focus on digital asset sector enforcement. Uh, and there's been some legislation around that as well. They said constituents are complaining um, and Congress is, is looking to take action here. But the White House's report uh, cited the potential for misuse and harm without coordinated regulations, um, even as it noted sort of the, this growing role in uh, global finance, uh, which is, of course, one of the arguments that underpins the central bank digital currency is the U.S. does not want to fall behind other other countries that are actually issuing their own their own digital currency there. Um, but but back to your question. So the, the, the Biden framework urged regulators like the SEC and the CFTC uh, to issue guidance and rules uh, for digital asset, uh, the digital asset ecosystem risk. Uh, and that includes that potential, you know, for cryptocurrencies to be used in money laundering uh, or for fraud. And, and on that money laundering front, um, the White House said that they'll consider asking Congress to amend the Bank Secrecy Act, the, the BSA, uh, as it's known, um, 
to apply to digital asset service providers or, or those those virtual asset service providers, you know, commonly called like a VAST there. Um, and that, so that would include the, those cryptocurrency exchanges and platforms for things such as non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Um, and, you know, I, I would note that there's this week even, right? So in terms of congressional action, you had Senators Blackburn and Lomas Per, uh, provide, uh, you know, a, an amendment to the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act, which is voluntary, right? So they would voluntarily share information. But if the BSA was amended, uh, that would clearly place it in, you know, a law enforcement focused view, uh, which is, I think, what the Justice Department is 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 looking for. And, and the first part of, of what came out of the White House is that it looks at crypto's role in illicit finance. And it notes that, and this is a quote here, cryptocurrency is also the payment method of choice for ransomware and other digital extortion activities. Um, and just to throw another kind of scary statistic out there, in the first half of 2022, over $2 billion was lost to hacks and exploits uh, involving cryptocurrency. And this, in just the first half of this year, eclipses what and exceeds what we saw in the whole of 2021 there. So it's, it's worth noting that in the September, on September 16th, the uh, Department of Justice also announced the establishment of a nationwide digital asset coordinator, um, which is a network. It's going to coordinate a network of federal prosecutors, because I think that there really needs to be some expertise brought to things like being able to trace cryptocurrencies um, and, and and recover funds when when necessary, just like you know, sort of the billions of dollars in Bitcoin that was re, uh, recovered uh, as a result of um, of a massive hack in in 2016. Um, so it's it's really part of a series of actions that U.S. law enforcement is is taking to ramp up their capacity for prosecuting uh, criminal activity, you know, in in the digital asset and cryptocurrency space, you know, including both the scams. They get investors to put their money into the assets and then using those assets um, to perhaps hide uh, illicit activity uh, through use of like tumblers and things like that. Or, you know, receive the proceeds of, of, of ransomware schemes, uh, which is, you know, are, you know, the, 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 the bad guys request that they be paid in Bitcoin or some other currency that they can hide the, uh, the, the origin of, of, of those funds there, uh, which is which is the definition of, of money laundering. Um, so members of this uh, digital asset coordinator network, um, they're intended to act as sort of the, the office's subject matter expert on digital assets and develop some best practices um, for investigating, um, you know, crypto digital asset related related crimes. And I mean, this is a big network, right? You've got 150 federal prosecutors and U.S. attorneys' offices and other special litigation divisions nationwide that are that are going to participate in this. So, Matt, where do we go from here? Well, you know, it, it, it's really encouraging to see the White House make a concerted effort to to regulate the digital asset industry. Um, and and given the size and growth of the industry, that push is really necessary. But I would underline that there's a need for this, you know, for legislative support and participation uh, from state regulators as, as well here um, 
to make sure that there's there's sort of a consistent framework that's applied, which I think the federal government leading is a lot more effective than, you know, as, as great a job as the NYDFS has done with their bit licensing and stuff. It, it, it will give more certainty to the market because this is, you know, it's a national industry. It's a global industry. And as was outlined in March, there's a lot of different considerations uh, to this. Everything from, you know, sort of on the positive side, things like financial inclusion and the U.S.'s role as a leader um, in the in the go, in in global finance, um, to sort of like this stuff that needs to be controlled for, you know, illicit activity, um, consumer protection, investor protection, things like that. All things that were were outlined in in March. Um, and look, it's here to stay. Um, in in 2014, when I first started looking at this industry, there's a lot of talk of oh, this is a passing fad. Um, and, and and perhaps this isn't going to stick. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, going back to that Howey test question, I mean, Bitcoin's been recognized as a, as, as a commodity. I mean, Ethereum has, has been as well. Those, I will point out, are two, two currencies that our clients can pay Kelly Dry with um, right now that we, we are, you know, we're comfortable with. Um, and it's, it's here to stay and it's, only, and it's expanding. But it's expanding in such a way that, that we need this framework um in in place because there's a lot of implications for cryptocurrencies for your global financial stability and this distinctive nature of this underlying technology you know evidenced by the importance of predatory sort of these regulatory discussions um and decisions they need to be made at, at the national level first right we need to you know have some definite you know who's who's in charge of this sec cftz you know some clarity there um but then also coordinating on a global level as well, uh, considering that some of these actors, legitimate and, and illegitimate, um, are based outside of uh, the U.S. borders. Um, so, you know, this is obviously something that the, the lawyers here and, and other professionals at Kelly Dry are tracking and, uh, and staying on top of, uh, particularly, you know, of importance is we're advising clients on you know, risk management is what it comes down to, um, you know, like a payment processor. Are you comfortable providing payments onto a particular digital exchange platform? Um, and what currencies are on that platform uh, that you're going to be accepting those payments for? And, you know, I think, you know, there's there's that comfort level, as I said, with Bitcoin, but there's also emerging other other digital currencies that, Maybe you know they're not on the that NYDFS green list. Um, so you know what are they? How are they regulated? Uh, I, I think that um, you know in terms of to directly answer your question, where do we go from here? I think that Congress needs to stay engaged on this and push forward as you know a bipartisan effort here. I mean, protecting consumers, protecting our financial system is not controversial. Here. So this is a uh, this is an area where you need subject matter experts. You need um, legislation that's not reactionary, but is forward looking on where the market is going to go. And um, you know, for, for that reason, I, I think it's important for those of us that work in this industry to really you know watch what's happening out there, um, both in terms of the. Uh, Legislation, but also, you know, how is the market evolving, and what are the trends? With, you know, is there a real call for, um, you know, elect, uh, you know, EFTs and things like that uh, by by consumers? 
So, um, yeah, we'll just, I, I, I'd say at the end, it's about keeping the conversation going. For additional information on this and other topics, please visit kellydry.com. Kelly Dry has podcasts available through your podcast provider.